This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Boarding airplanes is one of the most ridiculous things in my eyes. Everyone is in such a rush to get on the plane. It's not going anywhere yeah. until everyone is on the plane. You have an assigned seat. Mm-hmm. Relax. Yeah, I don't know why that line starts forming at all. It's crazy. You wait till the end. You sit down. You look at your phone until the line is gone. And then you stand up and you get in your seat. Do you wait? I'm a um, waiter. Every time. My wife, she gets paranoid. She's like, we got to get in line. I'm like, why? She's like, because that's what everybody else is doing. No, well, they're dumb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unless luggage can be an issue, right? Like if you, the overhead bin gets full. If you wait till the end. Sure. But if your bag fits under your seat, yeah. then you shouldn't be in any sort of rush to be the first one on the plane. Yeah. Yeah, that would be the only thing. But if you're if it's a big carry-on, you probably won't be getting in and into it during the flight. So it doesn't matter if it's close to your seat anyway. Story is United Airlines is changing its boarding process. So window seats will be boarding the plane first. Okay, I mean... They'll still do pre-boarding, so if you have disabilities, young kids, members of the military, people in first class, they will all get on the plane still before you. But then the normies in coach, Uh everyone else, they're going to start by boarding window seats first, then middle seats, then aisle seats. Yeah. That way you're not doing that awkward, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sitting here, and then... Two people have to stand up so you can get in yeah. to the window seat. It does make sense. It does make more sense. But is it even worth the logistic effort it takes? Like it is kind of a hassle to shimmy through somebody. But right. now that you have, now you have to actually pay attention to when you're boarding. It was fine before. Another thing that has always bewildered me is why is first class the first on the plane? You're sitting so they, in the no, front. No, no, because that's what they want. They want to sit there and watch every loser walk by them. You know, and they're like looking at they you. Do. And, hmm, yeah, some, maybe someday you can sit up here. I, I would rather get on last so I don't have to watch everybody walk past me. That's that's why you're not in first class, Taz. You don't have that <laughs> mentality. So, you know, if you were a little more hungry and you wanted to show off a little bit more, you'd, yeah. be, you'd be in that first class lifestyle. Look down on the commoners. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, they're trying this new. Actually, they, they're going back to it because they used to do this um, years ago. So they're reverting to the old system because the new one they found is taking longer to get the planes uh, filled up. Hmm. If it's, I mean, if it makes things faster, I'm all for it. Now, but. deboarding is going to be the same as it always is where everyone just stands up for no reason as soon as the plane yeah. lands. <laughs> The one guy at the back of the plane stands up like he's getting through, and he stands the whole time. What are you doing? What is your rush? The Taz and Jim Podcast. Major League Baseball. The Texas Rangers are a playoff team, World Series contender. We were talking a couple weeks ago on the show about how the Rangers were in a bit of a slump midseason, and they credit the band Creed with bringing the team together and pulling them out of their funk. Amazing. They started listening as a team to Creed's music Mm -hmm. in the locker room, and it just got everyone fired up. So last night at the, uh, the game, all four members of the band Creed were in the crowd singing with the fans. Can you take me higher? <laughs> and 
And they actually went down to the press room and did a bit of an impromptu press conference. Wow. Here's a reporter asking the band Creed a question yesterday. Yeah, if you guys could just explain when you were first notified about Creed being used in the locker room and kind of your initial reactions about, you know, what it meant to you guys. You know, I remember the uh, morning I got about 35 messages on my on my phone, just everybody saying, "Have you are you seeing this? Are you seeing this by the fifth time?" I'm like, "Yes, I'm seeing it." So I got it all day long, and it's just been blowing us away. So it's uh, it's great that the Rangers and us can both uh, you know help each other out. I guess. <laughs> it's a well, I guess they both are. It's a mutually beneficial yeah. relationship right now. Creed's on national television yesterday. Yeah. Why not? Renaissance, baby. Here's Scott Stapp talking about the uh, the situation. Man, you know I've done that quite a few times. You know under under the right circumstances, I think it could be done. Oh, this is they asked him if he's, he would sing the national anthem at one of the games if if uh, Texas makes the World Series. Oh, Sierra, can you Sierra? Man, you know I've done that quite a few times. You know under under the right circumstances. I think it could be done. I mean, they yeah. gotta. Time for uh, just one more. What else are you guys working on besides uh, being a rallying cry for a professional sports team? <laughs> <laughs> the band is back together. They're going out on tour, man. They gotta make it happen. They'd be crazy not to. Yeah. Well, strike while the iron's hot again, Creed. Yes. And, of course, Scott Stapp, lead singer, very thankful. There's a lot of incredible things. Um, going on and and uh, so yeah higher power and, and, and all glory to God man yes um, got it in know, there my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because without him uh, none of this would be possible maybe there we, we sh- go maybe we shouldn't mention that the Astros beat the Rangers 10 nothing yesterday with Creed in the stands nah dude Jesus likes to keep things interesting where's your God now Scott <laughs> the Taz and Jim podcast big band from the 90s Corn mm-hmm. is celebrating a victory they finally wore the Adidas company down <laughs> and they have uh, they've collaborated with Adidas really they've got a partnership of Corn designed Adidas merchandise that Strike is Strike while released. the iron's hot, eh? <laughs> well, Korn had a song called Adidas. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you remember that old saying in the schoolyard? It was the acronym, right? The acronym, what Adidas stands for. Yeah. All day I dream about something. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, for a while, the brand didn't want anything to do with the band Korn, but... Now it's happening. Here is uh, Jonathan and the band talking about this deal. We were obsessed with gangster rap so much. And a lot of these guys would wear sportswear. And that had major influence on us. We've been waiting to do a collab with Adidas for so long. At the time in the 90s, we had a song saying that Adidas stood for all day dreaming about sex. Adidas, like, no, we're not going to do anything with you. <laughs> That's why I took it upon myself to start customizing and doing this stuff. I made Adidas kilts, I made Adidas sparkly track suits. The new collection is stuff created by us. This is my purple track suit. Yes. And it's kind of a piece of history. Time to play the set. So we're happy to be part of that. Pretty cool. It is cool. 
An Adidas kilt? <laughs> that would be pretty... I forgot that he used to rock the kilt. That would be hilarious to have an Adidas kilt. And then if you got the Adidas logo tattooed on your butt under the kilt in case the wind blows. <laughs> and then everybody goes, I know what that stands for. <laughs> the Rolling Stones, they've got a, a merchandise deal right now with a shoe company as well. Oh, yeah? Skechers. Really? That's an old man Skechers shoe. Is a bit, they they are built for comfort. The Skechers. The only the only older man shoe I think they could have partnered with would have been the the white New Balance that Dad wears while <laughs> yeah. he cuts the lawn, right? Yeah, totally. With a Rolling Stones logo on the tongue. Oh yeah, a dude. tongue on the tongue. But uh, on stage, you need that arch support. You know, that'd be perfect for them. Hundred percent. This is the Taz and Jim podcast. Just uh, telling the story about. Uh, Bill I got for one large draft beer when I went out for dinner with the family last night. $15 before tipping. <laughs> it was $17.60 after an 18% tip. That is crazy. <laughs> it seems like a lot to me. seems like a lot to uh, Taz and Jim listeners as well. Uh, we got a message. You guys uh, need to start drinking at the Legion. <laughs> You're not wrong, man. They got some good deals. Everyone's trying to guess where I was, too. They wanted, hey, this place is the most expensive. Apparently, there's a lot of expensive places out there. And the thing is, they're busy. The The restaurant I was at last night was packed full of people. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how you can afford to spend that much money on one drink. Are we going to have to start pre-gaming before we go out for family dinners? <laughs> just so we can afford it? <laughs> Quick, kids, eat this before we go to the restaurant. <laughs> Pre-game food and booze. We're getting one up. appetizer for the table because Daddy wants to order a beer. <laughs> well, there's other strategies. You could always uh, fake a heart attack to get out of paying a bill. What? You just if the bill comes, you keel over and you say, "I'm having a heart attack." And uh, I almost <laughs> did when I saw the bill. No, this is seriously. This is a move a guy's been using in Europe, basically. So in September, this story just came out. But in September, uh, police in Spain arrested a 50 year old Lithuanian man who has been repeatedly faking heart attacks to get out of paying bills at fancy restaurants. So this, in September, what happened was he ordered two whiskeys, two premium whiskeys. Yeah, top shelf. And seafood paille and El Buen, at El Buen Corner. Uh, the bill came out, and uh, he got out of his chair, and he was kind of acting weird, and he started like leaving the restaurant. They're like, is this guy going to dine and dash? And then once he realized he was getting busted, he fell down and, and started having a heart attack, but he was a very bad actor. The staff didn't fall for it. They refused to let him leave. They called the cops. The cops show up and say, oh, we know this guy. This guy has been busted 20 times doing the same move at different The same heart attack routine? The same heart attack routine. <laughs> what he does is he orders expensive food items like lobsters, entrecote, and premium whiskeys, and then fakes a heart attack anytime the bill comes out. <laughs> the officer added that the man usually greeted the officers with a smile while being apprehended after they started recognizing him and appeared unfazed about spending a night or two behind bars. Well, he's getting a free meal probably out of uh, being thrown in jail. Yeah. They okay. feed you in the clink. Yeah, and you know what else is expensive? Hotels. This guy's got a good system going. Until he does actually have a heart attack. If he's drinking that boy much premium cried whiskey, wolf. yeah, boy, you cried heart the attack. Problem. This is the Taz and Jim Podcast. Hey, Jim, you have not yet first-hand witness the miracle of childbirth, have you? Thank God, no. It's something. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I my wife, she uh she did an amazing job in there. I I don't know if I could do what she did. It's uh it's not the most enjoyable experience for some. <laughs> Sure. I mean, sometimes it can it's take tough. like 18 hours, you right. know, it can be crazy. It can you're be push, laborious. You're pushing another human out yeah. of your body. But in some cases, it can be relatively easy. This is a story out of Philadelphia. A woman claims that due to a rare condition, she gave birth to her baby in 40 seconds and didn't have to push at all. So while I was giving birth, what basically happened to me is called the Ferguson reflex. My baby shot out completely involuntary. I did not have to push him out. He came out on his own. You can hear me screaming, the baby is coming, he's coming. And that was me screaming to my team that I'm going to need hands on deck because I could feel him descending outside of my control. (laughs) 40 seconds. I like how she said it, it shot out. It's <laughs> such a visual. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go long, Doc. Here it comes. Hail Mary. In the end zone. Don't spike the ball. <laughs> Goes triplets. Go sliding across the floor. Here comes another hey, one, oh, Doc. Uh, we got a text message from one of our listeners who had kind of a similar experience, Jim. Yes, he goes, I had my daughter's mom laugh so hard she laughed my daughter out. So I texted back, I said, wait, what? And he goes, the doctor told her she had to stop pushing, but I was cracking jokes that were so funny. She laughed so hard, she literally <laughs> laughed my daughter out, LOL. <laughs> I said, what was the joke? I want to bank it for when my wife is in labor. He says, oh, I had tons of them. Just kind of went with the flow, spur of the moment. (laughs) Real call and mockery over here. Yeah, it'd be possible, right? I mean, it's the same kind of muscles. muscles, Yeah. Maybe he's on to something. Comedians should rent themselves out Mm. to delivery rooms. That would be amazing. But imagine you were bombing. That'd be really awkward. <laughs> it's a high-stress scenario. There's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it can go great, or it yeah. can go the other way. Devin Peacock, our sports guy, is here. And you want to talk about the future of drafting NFL players, possibly. Yeah, a really interesting story uh, has uh, been going around about Caleb Williams. Who? Caleb Williams is the starting quarterback for the USC Trojans. He has been a guy that I've actually been kind of following for a while. So he's been with uh, USC this year and last. He came over to USC from Oklahoma when Lincoln Riley jumped from the Sooners over to the Trojans. He is a great quarterback. He is expected to be the first overall pick in the NFL draft. And he has apparently said through his agent, that he wants equity in whichever team drafts him. So he wants to become a part owner he wants ownership, of the team he's part playing ownership for. Of, let's say he gets drafted by the Buffalo Bills. Uh, he wants part ownership of the Buffalo Bills. Is there a percentage they threw out there, or is that up for negotiation? That's up for negotiation. Because it's got to be a fraction of a percent, well, even, obviously. Yeah, even 1%. These teams are valued at billions of dollars now. 1% of a billion is... Oodles of money. It's in, it's incredible amounts of money. So you look at uh, so recently, uh, you know, Roger Goodell just signed a new three year deal with the NFL. When he took over back in uh, 2006, the Minnesota Vikings 
were uh, worth, uh, they had just sold for like $600 million. Just last year, we had the Washington Commanders sell for $6 billion. Cincinnati Bengals valued at about $6.5 billion. Dallas Cowboys could be high as $9 billion. So when you are talking billions of dollars for each and every franchise, to even give up 1%, is just what about not what, worth? It. What if it's a proven commodity? Because this guy, you know, there's been a lot of busts in the NFL, even first round picks or for first overall picks. What if it was like a guy like Patrick Mahomes? He gets one or two uh, Super Bowl rings, and then he gets traded. Did, can he make that? Will that offer be on the table for him? So that was apparently one of the requests Aaron Rodgers had when he was leaving the Packers. He wanted uh, part ownership of the New York Jets, which again, it's like a New York franchise. It's it's hey, smart. How happy are they? They didn't go for. That <laughs> <laughs> well, there's another reason 70 why. seconds yeah. on the field, but also uh, that is also it's just not allowed by the NFL. And so, I mean, you could give like Patrick Holmes is a good example, Aaron Rodgers is another example of if there is a player who is technically a part owner. That player could then, you know, help the team kind of cook things a little bit where you say, okay, I'm not going to make $55 million like Joe Burrow is. I'll take the veterans minimum. And therefore, we can then spend extra X amounts of money on the getting better players. Getting better players. Yeah, and then you're just getting paid on the back end being part owner. It's so, like being paid under the table, essentially. So in terms of, like, competition, it throws a real wrench into things. So uh, it's for his sake, he's lucky that it's not allowed because let's say if it was actually allowed, the, the these are rich guys. They don't <laughs> want to give up equity if they don't have to. And the reality is Caleb Williams needs the NFL more than the NFL needs Caleb Williams because next year There'll there's going to be another guy. Caleb Williams. Also in this draft, there's a guy who plays uh, for North Carolina right now. Derek May could be just as good, if not better, well, than Caleb how, Williams. Look how uh, far back in the draft Tom Brady was. Look where Brock Purdy, to your example. Like you got these guys Mr. in the seventh Irrelevant. round, sixth round. So... It's it's not a guarantee you are going to be a stud just because you're first overall. The Taz and Jim Podcast. I went out for dinner with the family last night. Went to a family restaurant, a popular chain. I'm okay. not, not going to say the name of the place because I do like the place. However, I ordered a beer with my dinner. Mm-hmm. And when the bill came, I was shocked to see how much a beer cost. Hmm. So it was a large draft... And it was a Heineken, so it was a premium. La-di-da. Okay. What would you think a large Heineken draft beer would cost at a restaurant? What should it cost? Like when you think in your mind, when I say, hey, we're going to go have a beer. Yes. I'll have a Heineken. Yeah, I'll have the large one. I think often it's eight, like on a higher end, it'd be eight for a domestic, nine for a premium beer pint. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I think it would be around $10, which I still... I'm not a fan of. I think that's pretty pricey. Um, But no, it was with an 18% tip, and that was the lowest option when they gave you the card reader. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, It was $17.16 after tip. So... Before so it's it probably 15 14, bucks. 15 bucks, yeah. It's $15 for one beer. Like, how can anyone afford that? Aren't they thinking of the drunks? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Government, get it together. No, I, I honestly, that is so true. I went, now this is a little different. I got a beer and a Caesar 
with my wife at a bar the other day, and it was twenty eight dollars for two drinks. Wow! But it was kind of like a novelty bar, so like I I I didn't want to complain too much. Like it's different at a restaurant. If you're gonna get multiple beers, like it should be a different price. Like if you're at a sporting event, it's a little more expensive. Well, you know this what I mean? was this was Rogers Center's pricing. It, as yes. far as I like, I could go to a Leaf game and see beers were seventeen fifty, and I'd complain. Yeah, yeah, no, that's crazy. Huh? Is this just the standard now? Because this bothers me. Because once one restaurant does it, then everybody else is like, "Well, they're doing it." Especially if it's a chain, right? It sets the precedent. How how can you charge? Fifteen to me, that should be three beers. <laughs> <laughs> In the states, honestly, at a at a corner store, that's twenty four beers. Listen, listen, I I can recall a time, and I you know I know I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I'm getting a little older. But you could go to a bar with twenty dollars when I was in college, and you'd have a great night. You know, you get yeah. A, there was two beer th- nights. Yeah, yeah, there was ten dollar pitchers. You could get that's not that long ago. I feel like 15, when I was in college, fifteen dollars to me is the price for a pitcher. Seventeen dollars and fifty cents should be a pitcher of beer. Yeah, no, that is true. And I would complain if it was seventeen fifty and not fifteen dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, beer is expensive. It, it's like they need to do something to give these restaurants and bars a break, maybe Drop on the, the taxes. Something, because if that's what it's going to cost for someone to go out and have a beer, it's going to kill the bar and restaurant industry eventually. I've already heard a lot of bars and restaurants saying, nobody's going out for dinner these days. Well, geez, I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs>